Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to a brand new episode of Something About Sports with Deacon Slim. I am your host. I am him. I am Deacon Slim, man, and we are here to talk sports, man. We're here to get into it. Another week of sports, um, another a week of recaps, opinions, anything that you can think of when it comes to sports, man. I'm here to deliver it solo again for another week. Um, episode two, man, I got some great responses, feedback, um, plays good numbers on my first episode so um i'm excited i'm excited to get episode two going man um episode one was just the beginning just a sneak peek of what to expect from this show man and like i said i didn't even get into a lot of different stuff in episode one we really got into the nba finals and um really dove into that and um of course that's the hottest thing going on in sports right now in my opinion so of course we're gonna start the show off with some nba finals talk but we also got some UFC talk tonight, some um, maybe looking to some M- M- NBA draft insight. Um, football season's coming up. Maybe we get some predictions for for what we what we what I can expect from the NFL season, man. And um, so yeah, let's get into it, man. First things first, NBA Finals. Bucks now have a. 3-2 lead over the Phoenix Suns. I believe last time you listened to my voice on something about sports, the Suns are up 2-0. You know what I'm saying? So um, for all my Suns fans out there, I know it's been a trying, a trying uh, about week. You know what I'm saying? That um, Suns fans have been going through it. But um, I, I want to give up hope. Um, I don't think the Suns are out of it. Do I think the series is over, in my opinion? I think the Bucks have too much momentum right now. I think that they're playing harder. They're playing like they want it more. And it's starting to align for them. You know what I'm saying? Like the storylines, all that stuff is starting to align for the Bucks to win this championship. But a lot can change in one game. If the Suns come out in game six, put on the show, explode, fucking blow these guys out, who knows what's going to happen in Game 7? You know what I'm saying? So, Because Game 7 will be in Phoenix. So who knows what will happen in that situation? So I'm excited to see um, how this plays out, especially game um, the game coming up, man. Close out game for Milwaukee. Um, a lot of talk around Giannis being the best player in the world if he wins this ring um, for a couple of reasons. Um, there's... I've heard this from some pundits and um, on some shows, and I, it's an opinion I actually agree with. He's doing it without a super team. This is an era of super teams. Everybody's having uh, three-plus all-stars on their roster that are certified dogs of the league, right? Now, somebody can look and say, well, Milwaukee got three all-stars. They got um, Giannis Antetokounmpo. They got Chris Middleton. They got Drew Holiday. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, that's different. That's like having a good core. I wouldn't call them a big three. You get what I'm saying? Like in this era, it's been about big threes, big twos. You know what I'm saying? So I wouldn't classify the Milwaukee Bucks as having a big three. I I classify them as having three all-stars. But it wasn't like these guys have been all-stars their whole career. These guys have grown into all-star caliber players playing in Milwaukee together. Chris Middleton and Giannis was on that same team that was 15 and 67. 
You know what I'm saying? They was on that team together. You know what I'm saying? So it's definitely um lining up storyline wise for the Bucks to take this thing home, man. But um the 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 Giannis is the best player in the world thing to me is kind of premature. And I'm gonna tell you why. I know I'm I may sound like a um a Giannis hater. I do not dislike the man. And I respect his skill. But I think he's skipping the line when it comes to best player on the planet. And I think we can't put him in that category right now because of the fact that his game is pure brute force on the offensive end. You know what I'm saying? Now, you may hear a nigga say, oh, LeBron, what about LeBron James? LeBron James has, he came into the league with the, with the complete package. His jump shot just wasn't elite. You know what I'm saying? Like, LeBron is like LeBron. He's third to all time in scoring, man. Come on now, you don't you don't get that from just brute force. You get that from a little finesse, and 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 adding different aspects to your game other than dunking, right? And I'm not saying that's all Giannis does. You've seen in these finals, man. He's been doing a great job as a playmaker. He's doing a great job when he sees that wall. That defense they're calling the wall for Giannis. When he sees that wall, he's doing a great job of playmaking and making the good, the right decision. He's not taking those stupid jump shots coming up the court, man. He's they giving him five feet of space on the perimeter, and he's taking that and saying, "Okay, you giving me a full head of steam to 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 drive to the rim." So, I think in this finals, especially, he's really started to unlock different areas of his game. But I just think. Next in line after LeBron James is Kevin Durant. And next in line after Kevin Durant, then I could talk about Giannis. I think Kevin KD is, is, is going to have a two, three-year run in the league where he's the best player in the, on the planet. We got to think about this. A couple of weeks ago, we all thought KD sent Giannis and them home in game seven. A few seconds later, we see on the replay that it was a two instead of a three. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want people to forget that. I don't want the people that forget that KD almost beat the Bucks by himself. By himself. He almost beat them. He almost beat this team by himself. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't want Giannis to just get that pass because he's a nice guy. He has a great story from, from Greece, from Athens. He um, worked as a, as, a, as, a, as a vendor, you know what I'm saying, to, to, to um, feed his family, to help, help his parents and all that stuff, and sharing basketball shoes with his brothers to play basketball, all this stuff. It's a great story, man. It's a great story. But I don't think that earns him. I don't think that gives him the right to skip the line as far as the NBA elites, right? No doubt, no doubt he's top five in this league right now. No, no doubt he's, he's an MVP of this league, but he, I, I just can't let him skip the line. I, I can't, I, I can't let him skip the line. And y'all, for those who are close to me, no, I've disliked Kevin Durant since he joined the Warriors, but I've started to gain respect for him over the last couple of years. You know what I'm saying? My, my respect for KD has started to come back. KD was my second favorite player after LeBron when he was in OKC. And when he took that, what I thought was a weak move, 
and going to um, Golden State after they just beat him 3-1. I mean, after he was just up on them 3-1 and they came back and beat him in the Western Conference Finals, I thought it was weak. You know what I'm saying? Um, I thought it was anti-competitive. You know what I'm saying? People can compare LeBron's move to the Heat with that, but that Heat team was beatable. That's what people don't understand, man. That Heat team was beatable. That wasn't a 6 D Wade. That wasn't a Toronto Raptors Chris Bosh. LeBron was the best player on that team, far far ahead. You know what I'm saying? That chemistry and them being friends on top of that talent led the Heat to winning those championships. You know what I'm saying? D-Wade being able to take a back seat to LeBron, being able to put that pride and ego aside and, and say, hey, LeBron, this is your team. Lead us to the promised land, right? But um, I just think um, the league loves Giannis, and the league wants Giannis to be the face of the NBA. I think they want Giannis or Luka, but I think Luka is not in nowhere near a winning situation in Dallas, so the league understands we can't have Luka as the face right now. They want Luka, especially, man, the storylines behind having an international player as the face of the NBA. Like, that, the, man, the NBA would love that. The NBA would love that, so... I think um, everything is lining up for Giannis to get his first ring. Um, and I'm not hating on the kid. I, I, want him to, I want him to get a championship. I want him to, you know, have that accolade next to his name so when he retires, he's not one of those guys that did all these numbers, put up these great numbers, won a bunch of games but never got a ring. And I don't want that to be held against him in his career because he is a generational player. He is a player that has impacted the game. He's come in the league and made his name. He started at the bottom and worked his way to an MVP. I respect that. So I want him to get that championship. But I don't, I don't want the best player in the world stuff to get thrown on this man yet. Yet. You know what I'm saying? Because we, we, we got to... I, I hate I hate saying we got to put an asterisk next to things, but it's like I, I want to see this Bucks team beat a fully healthy Nets team. I want to see Giannis beat KD with all his horses out there in the East. You know what I'm saying? I want to see what would have happened if Trey Young didn't get hurt. You know what I'm saying? I, I, these are the things I want to see from this Bucks team and Giannis. Can he can he conquer the East with the even playing field? You know what I'm saying? So that's not a knock on Giannis. I I, I respect the man's game. Um, I'm a I'm I'm I love basketball for the art of the sport. So when I when I think of um, seeing guys play at Rucker Park, seeing guys play at the Y, seeing guys play in the neighborhood at at a uh, Creole Park or at a uh, Welcome Park out here in Atlanta, I. I the guys that always stood out were the guys that had the handles, the guys that had the pretty game, the guys that made basketball look pretty. You know what I'm saying? The guys that were dunking and, you know, jumping out the gym, they were cool to watch, but the guys that were just that, that you were glued to was the guy with the ball on the string, the guy making nice passes, the guy who, who, who seemed like he was miles ahead of everybody else out there, not because of his leaping ability and his strength, but because of the way he controlled the game, the way he the, the way he made the game look like art, you know what I'm saying? And that's what I think of when I think of a best basketball player in the world when it comes to NBA. And, and I see that in LeBron James. You see that in a Kevin Durant. 
You know what I'm saying? You see that in a um, James Harden sometimes. You you see that in these players, and it's like those are the guys that I put in that greatest of all time, um, best best in the world category. Giannis doesn't have that that art to his game, that beauty, that flow. It's the same reason Shaq was never really considered the best player in the world at any point in his career. Shaq was always Shaq's moniker, and he, even Shaq will tell you, he never wanted to be, he never was concerned about being the GOAT. He never was concerned about being the greatest of all time. He was concerned about being the most dominant of all time. He wanted to come on the, come on the court and make you feel him. You know what I'm saying? He wants you to leave with bruises, and he wants you to leave with your, with your, um, <clears throat> with your manhood question when you play Shaq. You know what I'm saying? But it's like MJ, he want to take your heart in every way possible. MJ taking your heart through, and it's pretty while he taking your heart. He dunking on you. He crossing you. He diming you up. He locking you down. It, you know what I'm saying? Same with LeBron. Same with KD. You know what I'm saying? So it's like that's my only thing. With the whole Giannis greatest best player in the world thing, but I don't want to. I don't want to harbor too much on that. I just that's just something I saw. Is the storyline um, behind this series is if Giannis can do this, if he can come back from two down in the finals and lift this team to to a finals victory, and um, with this team not being a super team, will he take the crown from LeBron? And I think the answer to that is no. I think I think no. Well, the answer is yes because the NBA is going to give it to him. And the media is going to give it to him because the media loves Giannis as well. Like, I'm hearing media guys, Nick Wright on uh, Fox Sports 1, I'm hearing media guys say free throws don't matter now when it comes to Giannis. I'm hearing media guys say this about Giannis. Now, I've never heard a superstar in this league get a pass for missing free throws. They crucify Bron. You know what I'm saying? They crucify Shaq. You know what I'm saying? They crucify these other guys that aren't excellent free throw shooters and they're, and they're superstars in the league. So it's like I feel like the league is propping up Giannis in such a way where it's like they, they, they don't want no slander on Giannis because he's too good of a guy, right? Everybody says he's too good. Of, he's so humble. His mindset. And I, was, and I really respect his mindset. Hearing him say when you think about the, when you constantly think about the past, that's ego. But when you think about the future and you focus on the future, that's pride. I was like, bro, that's 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 facts. That's not just basketball. That's life. You know what I'm saying? When you when you so focus on all the good stuff you've done in the past and all your accolades and everything, that's your ego driving you. But when you most so like, man, fuck all the stuff I've done. I'm I'm more focused on what I have to do, what I'm yet to do, what I'm yet to complete. That's pride. You know what I'm saying? And and I felt that when he said it, and I and I agree with him. And his mindset is incredible. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm, like I said, I, I like the guy. But, um, yeah, I mean, th- I did, this series is, um, it's been great. It, it really has been. Um, like I said, Giannis is the cash cow for the NBA right now, man. He's the golden child for the NBA right now. But you can't, you can't knock his skills, man. And this series has been great. Um, I think there's a lot of storylines that can come out of this series on both sides. If Phoenix wins, you got the – is this the beginning of a, of a dynasty in the West? Is, is this the beginning of, of something crazy in Phoenix out West? Is, uh, is Chris Paul cemented as a top five point guard? Is uh, 
Devin Booker the next Kobe Bryant, quote-unquote. Even though D-Book already came out and said, I stop, don't compare me to Kobe. I'm not Kobe, right? Which is, you know, him showing respect to Kobe. But um, you got this storyline from Milwaukee, like, Giannis is the best player in the world. Chris Middleton, could he win finals MVP? Um, are the Bucks a, a, a dynasty getting started? You know what I'm saying? You know, you don't really get the dynasty talk to like you get your second or third um, championship in the course of four or five years. But you know how everything is so premature in sports. You know, um, we pick who we think we're going to um, win the Super Bowl in preseason week one. So, um, it's a lot of storylines from this series, and it and that lends to a lot of intrigue. You know what I'm saying? When there's a lot of different stuff that can happen as a result of this series, it makes you more interested in seeing what's going to happen, right? So, um, I I really want I I was I'm I'm cheering for the Suns to win this series. One because I think this is CP3's really his last only and last opportunity to get a ring and i'm gonna say this and and this is why i say this the way everything fell into place this year out west and in the east it made sense that these are the last two teams standing in the finals right these weren't anybody's pick coming into the season right except for some people you know some people picked the bucks to come out the east i'm not gonna say the bucks are just some shock a lot of people thought the bucks were coming out of the east right but um, as far as the Suns go, it's like, man, they beat the Lakers, man, but the Lakers, LeBron wasn't 100%, AD wasn't 100%. That team hadn't played damn near any games together at all. It was an injury plague season on, you know what I'm saying? They're coming off of the, winning the finals, longest period of time in a bubble. A lot of excuses on L.A. side, right? And um, they faced a, a Nuggets team with no Jamal Murray. You know what I'm saying? They went up against Jokic by itself. No Jamal Murray. Then they 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 played a Clippers team that we come to find out Kawhi Leonard had a has has had a partially torn ACL this whole time. And, and that nigga's is just a fucking weirdo sometimes. Kawhi Leonard, man, we'll, we'll get into Kawhi Leonard one day on this show, man. But um, I just think everything lined up for CP3 to get this ring. Everything lined up. I believe even the opponent coming out the East lined up for him, because I think this is such an evenly matched matchup that um, it was anybody's series. I think it was, this this finals is truly about who wants it more. The uh, in the last few years we've had finals where it's like one team is clearly better than the other team. We expect this team to win the finals. If they don't, it's a shock, right? But this year it's been like yo. These, this is an evenly matchup. These are these are two evenly matched teams. Like these are two teams that both coming in here, not a lot of finals experience. You know what I'm saying? Both trying to get their first ring for their franchises in, in in a long time and stuff like that. So it's a lot. But um, I think this is CP3's last opportunity, man. It's just you're not gonna get a a a better and an easier a path than, than CP3 has got this year, man. He he survived that soldier scare in round one against the Lakers. Um, came back, ended up winning that series. And it's like everything lined up for him to get to this point. And he played lights out in certain aspects of these playoffs, man. But it's like in the finals, 
Drew Holiday has made this man uncomfortable. And you can't deny that. Drew Holiday has made CP3 extremely uncomfortable. And I think that's why Drew Holiday has struggled shooting in this in this series besides the last few games. Like, I believe Drew Holiday was has been so locked in on making CP3's job extremely hard and, and slowing him down and cutting off the head of the snake that it's, you know, he's so focused on defense that his offensive numbers are, are, are dipping a little bit. But yeah, man, I think I think Drew Holiday is truly making CP3 uncomfortable and uh, making it hard for him. And I think CP3 is compromised health-wise. I think he's I think his shoulders still fucked up. I think at the end of this series, win or lose, it's gonna come out that CP3 has some type of tear in his hand or some type of ligament issue in his shoulder. Something's gonna come out, right? But um, CP3 is on the tail end of his career. Um. Like I said, the West opened up for the Suns in the playoffs this year, man. The right people went down when they needed to for, in order for the Suns to, 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 to win these series. And I just think this is CP3's best opportunity. Now, D-Book is another story. Like I, D-Book is still young. Like If the Suns continue to build that team, even after CP3 is gone, but they continue to build that team and take different formulas and take things they learn from this season if they lose and continue to build that team around D-Book and put the right pieces around them, that team is going to be dangerous for a long time. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, like I said at the beginning of the show, man, I do think the series is over. I think the Bucks are going to win this, man. I think they're going to close them out tomorrow. Um... Well, you guys are getting this um, the day of the game six. So today, I should say, they're going to close them out today. But um, I don't want to give up hope on the Suns. You know what I'm saying? I'm not putting no money on them tonight. You know what I'm saying? If I had to put, if I, if I was putting some money on them, um, I wouldn't. If I had some money to put on them, I wouldn't. You know, so I want this, I want this to go seven. Cause I wanted to be, I wanted to be hard fought, man. I don't want, I don't want this to be CP3 story. He blew another, another lead in the playoff series. He disappeared in certain games. He had a better game four, but, um, or a better game five, but game four, man, he was horrible. Um, he's had a lot of turnovers the last few games, man. I, I was it game four where like he couldn't even freaking dribble the ball. I, I, it just felt like CP3 was choking, man. It just felt like the moment was too big for him. But I think it's more so he's compromised health-wise. Um, I think – I don't use that that tired excuse. You hear people say all the time it's tired. You know, you hear people say the Warriors got tired. That's why they blew a 3-1 lead against the Cavs. Were they tired when they were up 3-1? So you're saying that the Warriors would have won 68 games instead of 72, they would have closed the Cavs out? So it's like I don't want to hear that tired excuse, man. Everybody's tired. You weren't tired when you was up in this series, so why are you tired when you blow the lead? You know what I'm saying? So it's like that tired excuse doesn't fly with me, but I do understand that this is the end of the basketball season, man. Everybody's beat up. Everybody's got some injury that's nagging them, that's hurting them, that's slowing them down. So um, and CP3's age on top of all that, same thing that happened to LeBron. Like Bron on, LeBron's age on top of him coming off an injury, it's hard. It's, it doesn't matter who you are, it's hard to – rev that engine back in time for the playoffs you know what i'm saying 
and CP3 is already in it. He's in the finals, the most important um, series of his life. And um, I think he's compromised, man. I think it's going to cost the Suns a championship. Um, D-Book has been playing lights out the last two games, two straight games of 40-plus. First time in NBA history, a player scored 40-plus points in two straight games in the NBA Finals and lost both games. So um, <clears throat> I feel for D-Book. I want him to get this ring. I want him to um, solidify himself as a superstar in this league. But um, I think it's over, man. I think the Bucks are going to go ahead and win this one, man. Um, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton have proved to be the two most important players outside of Giannis on the books, man. Like, without Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, I think this series would have been a sweep. Or without Drew Holiday and an inconsistent Chris Middleton. They still had Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton shooting his, his and being what he usually is, is inconsistent. We can't lie and say... Chris Middleton is a guy that just gives you 25 every night. Chris Middleton is a guy that'll drop 40 one night. He looks like a world beater. And then the next night, he'll go six for 20. And it's like, what happened? You know what I'm saying? Or next night, he'll go four for 21. It's like, whoa, I don't, I don't understand what's happening with Chris Middleton. It's just the consistency. <coughs> and that's why a lot of people... Um, when they hear people like Kendrick Perkins say Chris Middleton is the most important when you hear him say Chris Middleton is the most important player on that team, it's like sometimes, man, it seems like he is, but then other nights it's like how can he be how can he be the most the best player on the team, not most important, but the best player on the team when he can't consistently do what Giannis consistently does every night. You know what Giannis is giving you. You know what he's giving you because his his game isn't um, predicated on perimeter offense. His, his game is predicated on getting to the cup. You know what I'm saying? So if he's going to the cup 20 times a game, he's going to make 10 of those. You know what I'm saying? And tack on a couple free throws. So you know he's getting 25 a night. You know what I'm saying? Or on top of 13, 14 rebounds with maybe four or five assists. So I don't want to talk too much NBA Finals, man, because we talked about it in the first episode, man. I don't want to water you guys down with basketball all the time. And, of course, we, we the, the series isn't over, so we still have more to talk about on the NBA Finals and a little more basketball talk coming up next week after the Finals conclude. And um, we can really talk about the, what, what can we expect from the next season, um, the storyline surrounding whoever comes out on top. By the time the next episode comes out, we will have an NBA champion. So it will be um, an exciting conversation to have, talk about the aftermath of all that, you know. So um, definitely stay tuned for that. But um, I don't want to drown you guys with too much NBA talk back-to-back. So um, I want to get into another subject tonight, which is fantasy football, man. Me and my homeboys this year are going a little crazy, doing a little different for fantasy football, man. We're doing a live, in-person draft. We're going to get all dressed up, suited and booted. You know what I'm saying? Have a live in-person draft, man. We're having a, a championship belt for the winner of the um, of the Fantasy League trophy. We're going to get a, like a, a Super Bowl fantasy football ring for the winner. We're doing it up this year, man, because I really want – it's led by my boy Trent, man, so shout out to my man Trent. I don't want this to sound like this is my idea, man, when this is coming from his mind. But – um. <clears throat> I think it's going to be 10 times better than all of our leagues in the past because 
of the level of competitor that's going to come out of people for this league, man, because anytime there's an incentive to win, people go harder. Anytime there's a prize, anytime there's something you can put your hands on, a tangible thing that you can get, that you can flaunt, that you can tell people, I won this, you didn't, it makes you play a little harder, man. So I'm excited for that. But um, fantasy football, man, I, I really enjoy it. Um, I play every year. Um, it's something that I really – it's become traditional, man. Like, And I'm excited to do this league this year, man, because – I'm able to really share that passion and share that 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 um com- the competitor with my um, with my homies this year. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how everybody kind of uh, bounce off each other with they uh with they picks and and whatnot. So when we um get together and get that draft done, it's gonna be interesting to see uh, where everybody headed. You know, we able to talk shit to each other right there in person to say, hey, why you pick this guy? Or we can initiate trades right then and there. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's going to be a different experience, man. But fantasy football is dope, man. I'm not really into all the other fantasy sports as far as, like, fantasy basketball, fantasy baseball. I think that's too many players you got to keep up with. Too many games. I think fantasy football is just simple, man. Um, it's easy. It's easy to get started. It's easy to keep up with everything. Season is short, so it's not like this long thing you got to keep up with for months and months and months. It's um quick turnaround. And then when you're doing fantasy football with the homies, man, it makes you watch football more. You know what I'm saying? It, it makes you get more invested in your team, more invested in whatever you got going on, invested in these players. It makes you more knowledgeable about football because you actually study. Like, if you playing and you going hard, you actually studying these guys, man. You... You you looking at people player stats after the games and watching uh fantasy football shows and you watching ESPN you watching these post game shows these pre game shows so it it really makes you get into the sport more which is what I which is I which I enjoy because it it gives me more people to talk to and talk shit with you know what I'm saying and bounce ideas off with and opinions off of when it comes to sports and football so um. I'm excited, man. Let me know what y'all think about fantasy football. If y'all ever interested in joining a joining a league of mine, man, we can have a something about sports league going on, man, with some of the fans and listeners of the podcast. Man, we can put some money in the pot or whatever you guys want to compete for, man. And um, y'all can try to show me if y'all can do my job better than me, man, when it comes to this sports talk and this sports knowledge, man, because... I did not win my fantasy league last year. My boy Zay Boogie won last year, man. And um, you, we can make all the excuses we want, man, COVID and all this other shit. But it was a winner and it was a loser. So the winner had to deal with the same stuff we was dealing with, but he won. So shout out to Zay Boogie, man. But I think this year is going to be a lot different, man. I think people will be more locked in. You know what I'm saying? Um, a lot of people gave up um, halfway through fantasy this year. Not not really on our in our league, but in general because of the COVID rules and all players dropping out and stuff like that. So <clears throat> I'm excited to see how everything works out with the full season, uh, um, a real um, in a, a regular NFL season coming up. No um, COVID holdouts and stuff like that. So I'm excited to see what happens over the next couple of days. And, um, Excuse, excuse me if I have an echo on on, on my mic, guys, because I'm at um, 
I usually record at work on my night shift job because I'm uh, by myself, it's quiet. Nobody interrupts me, so I'm able to really lock in and get my recording done um, without, into, without any interruptions, but it's a warehouse, so it may be some um, some echo in and out, but I, I try to take care of that as best I can and, and when I'm um, editing my audio, but um, if, you, if you still hear it, I apologize. But um, yeah, man, moving on from the fantasy football talk, man, I want to get into a little bit of UFC talk uh, for all my UFC fans out there. I know we're a couple weeks, uh, maybe a week and a half, two weeks maybe, removed from the Conor McGregor-Dustin Poirier fight. Um, we had um, Khabib Nurmagomedov's protege Islam fight um, the other night. He won by submission. Um, UFC is um, one of my favorite sports. It slowly became one of my favorite sports over time. I'm a baseball, basketball, football guy. But my dad always had an influence on me when it came to mixed martial arts. My dad has a couple of black belts in a couple of different mixed martial arts, uh, karate, hapkido, jiu-jitsu, stuff like that. So his um, love and passion for that kind of rubbed off on me. He signed me up for Taekwondo when I was 11 or 12 years old. I really got into that um, funny story about me quitting Taekwondo because it was a girl in my class that repeatedly kicked me in my nuts. I was just a young, angry 12-year-old boy and exploded, ran out of the room, ran out of the dojo. I quit, I quit. Shit was sad. But um, I've always wanted to um, really master one or two um fighting styles, whether it be Brazilian, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Taekwondo or um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and uh, boxing. So mixed martial arts is something that I'm, I'm, I'm all in on, man. I'm 100% on, man. I work out at X3 Sports in Marietta. Great place to work out and get a sweat in, man. Mixed martial arts in general, man, it's a, for those trying to lose weight, um, gain confidence, man. It does all that for you, man. Like, it's a, it's a full body workout. When you learn these things, when you're learning how to defend yourself at a professional level, at a real level where you, can, where you know I can hurt somebody, it gives you a level of confidence that a lot of people don't have in life. Like, you see these guys walking around with guns on their hips and feeling big and bad when they have a gun on them, but it's a different level of fear in their eyes when they don't have no gun. Or, or even if they got the gun, they don't know how to use it. So it's like... When you know that I'm just as dangerous with my hands as the dude standing in front of me with a gun, that may be a statement somebody may hear that and say, oh, no, that's stupid. You bringing a knife to a gunfight. But, man, if you, it's certain things that you can know and equip yourself with to understand how to disarm somebody with a gun, how to, how to stop a conversation to get to the point where a gun is involved. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of different things that MMA can teach you to um, really unlock that. And I think that confidence that you get from knowing these things, it, it really resonates in, in all aspects of your life, man. Like, your confidence will not just grow because, oh, I can fight, but it's going to grow as a person. Like, man, I, I feel more confident as a person, not just as somebody that can defend myself, but as somebody in general. Like, I feel more confident. You know what I'm saying? So I encourage everybody, man, all my listeners out here, man, to get into MMA 
whatever it may be, man, whether you can start something simple like boxing, learn how to throw a punch, man. Learn how to not break your fingers and um, break your thumb and do all this other crazy shit that happens to people who don't know what they're doing and just out here doing crazy shit. So learn, learn these different aspects in life. Learn how to defend yourself. Learn how to learn what to do when somebody's on top of you or somebody comes up behind you and grabs you. Learn how to stay calm in those situations and breathe through it and know how to use leverage and, and all these different things and angles to, to better your opponent. So, um, but yeah, I love MMA. So, um, of course, I'm a big UFC fan. Um, John Jones is my favorite UFC fighter. Um, I believe John Jones is the greatest of all time. I know it's had a lot of um, outside the octagon incidents that have slowed his career, um, put his career on pause in certain aspects, but you can't deny the man's talent. I say he's undefeated. He has one loss on his record, but that was because of a, dis a, a stupid ass disqualification. But um, I think John Jones is the GOAT. I think um, Khabib is in that conversation. Uh, for his division, I think GSP, George St. Pierre is in that conversation. I think Kamara Usman is in that conversation. I think uh, Henry Suido is in that conversation. It's a few. It's a few goats of MMA, because um, MMA is a solo, a solo sport, um, with multiple weight classes. It's multiple goats in this man, but um, I want to talk about Conor McGregor star power. I want to. I want to discuss if I think if if I think the the breaks need to be hit on Conor McGregor, right? So we saw Conor McGregor a couple weeks ago um, lose to Dustin Poirier in their trilogy fight. Now, um, he lost due to a doctor stoppage, but it wasn't due to a TKO or injury Dustin Poirier um, gave Connor. It was due to Connor's leg or ankles, tibia to be exact, snapping and breaking mid-fight. So, you, a lot of people say, well, we don't know. We don't know. Connor broke his leg. We don't know what would have happened, right? But we saw how Dustin dominated him in, the, in round one. When they was on their feet, Connor got some good licks off. Everybody knows Connor is an excellent striker. We know that. And, of course, his striking is going to be even better because he's been training for boxing matches the last three years. Um, so we know that. We understand that. But I think Connor is not a complete MMA fighter. I think his ground game is damn near non-existent. Um, I think Khabib exposed that. Poirier exposed that in the last fight that Connor's ground game needs a lot of work. When Connor's on his back, it really is it's really like, okay, this is where you beat Connor McGregor. This is where you control him. This is where you slow him down. You get him on his back. To be a complete fighter, to be somebody that can really beat everybody, I think you need to have that complete game, that ability to strike. Even if your striking isn't like, oh, he's Mike Tyson. If you have the ability to throw a jab to keep a guy off you, you know what I'm saying? Uh, throw good, strong, healthy leg kicks and um, things like that. It makes your wrestling even more explosive and dangerous because guys is like, man, his stand-up is something I have to be concerned about. But I know his wrestling is elite, so I don't want him to take me down. But I also don't want to have me stand up the whole time because if he catches me, he has knockout power. So it's like I think Conor lacks that ground game that really makes him an elite fighter, man. I think... 
I've really never been on the train. I don't think I think everybody who knows me can say, man, I've never really heard Mark hype up Conor McGregor too much. But um, I think he's UFC's cash cow. He's the guy that brings in the most money for these pay-per-view buys. Um, Dana White is going to keep keep um, putting him in the spotlight as long as he's making money for the for the promotion. Um, I think that's what a lot of people don't realize about Dana White, man. I don't think Dana Wright really gives a fuck about the fighters. I think he cares about the gate. I think he cares about the money the promotion's bringing in. So, like, you see a lot of these guys don't have a great personal relationship with Dana White, like, because he's more so about the bottom line. And, you know, he, he's pretty – Dana White's a know-it-all when it comes to certain extents in, in the UFC. But you can't knock the um, the results and the growth of the UFC, right? But um, I think Connor's the cash cow for the for the promotion, for the sport. I think um, he's brought a lot of eyes to UFC. Um, his personality, being so braggadocious, being so loud and talking a lot of shit, you know what I'm saying, being disrespectful at some points, you know what I'm saying, that, that braggadocious and that I'm a millionaire now and all that stuff like that. It, 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 this sport is also about entertainment. Of course, it's about competition and guys knocking each other out. But at the end of the day, you also have to entertain these people, man. It remind, it's the same as when T.O. used to come out here in football and Chad Ochocinco in football would go out and do these crazy touchdown dances and uh, celebrations um, and get fined for it. It's because they say, I, I, was a, I was an entertainer as well. Yeah, I'm a football player, but these people pay um, $375 to sit up top in the nosebleeds to watch me play football. I'm going to put on a show for them, right? So... I respect anybody who understands how to play to a crowd, who understands how to build hype around an event, especially a fight. And um, so it's not like I'm saying Connor needs to stop that. I'm saying I think the hype around him is too much. I think he is a little overrated at this point, man. I think he's lost his last three three fights at lightweight. Um, I think he. I think he's been exposed a few times. Could be exposed on the first time as somebody who is truly beatable, even though he had lost before. Uh, Nate Diaz beat him one time, but um, you know everybody knows Nate Diaz is a thug. Nate Diaz is capable of beating anybody, man. Nate Diaz has went to through a war, um, I believe, the same night with Leon Edwards. You know what I'm saying? And Nate looked like he was well, he was getting his ass with the whole fight. He, he wouldn't stop coming forward, wouldn't stop talking and motioning, talking shit to uh, Leon throughout the whole fight. And he almost knocked Leon Edwards out at the very end. Like, at the very end of the fight, he wobbled Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards was staggered, and he literally got saved by the bell. So um, we all understand what Nate Diaz brought, brings to the sport. And, you know, we I don't hold that against Connor as far as that loss goes, but I mean, he's losing to the top guys, and he's supposed to be a top guy. You know, the top guys in the sport beat the top guys. You know what I'm saying? The Kamaru Usman's, the um, the um, the style benders, the Israel Adesanya's, the John Joneses, the GSPs, the um, Francis Ngannou's. You know what I'm saying? These are guys that are knocking out, finishing, whatever, winning against the top guys on the promotion and they're doing it consistently. They're doing it back to back. They're defending titles. You know, even though Francis just won his heavyweight title, we don't see anybody being able to take that from Francis. 
Derek Lewis, be, Derek Lewis beat him in the past, but I think this is a different Francis Ngannou. I don't think he's going to be beat anytime soon. I think it's going to take a technician to come and dethrone him. But um, we're not talking about Francis right now. We're talking about Connor. I think his star is diminished. I think Connor, um, he's not going anywhere though. Um, just because he knows the UFC is something that however long he wants to fight, he can make millions fighting. He's not making, he's not relying on fighter of the night bonuses, 75,000 or 50,000 from Dana White to make his cash that night. Connor knows before he even steps in the ring, he's, he's made a million dollars. You know what I'm saying? So once you hit that level of celebrity and that level of um, up in the company, it's kind of like a lot of these guys feel like they're untouchable and they can do anything they want to do. You know what I'm saying? But I think Connor is a guy who has been propped up by the UFC so much that it doesn't matter really what he says, what he does, how many times he loses. The fans are still going to be there. The, um, the backing of the UFC is still going to be there. And um, I don't think Conor McGregor's going anywhere, but I just wanted to put it out there, man. I think it's time for the UFC to start looking at a new guy, man. Looking at a guy who can really carry that torch, man. I don't know if Conor isn't, if he's one foot out of, of UFC and one foot in boxing. I don't know if he's too focused on, you know, people say you're hungrier when you're broke. When you get that million dollars and you make that money and you, and you surpass and you hit that goal that you've been wanting to hit your entire life, your hunger goes down. It's kind of like, ah, oh, man, like I did it. So, you know what I'm saying? That drive, you know, it takes a step back. But um, I'm interested to see what happens in the UFC going forward, man. We got some good fights, some good matchups, some good setups coming up. And um, I'm excited I'm excited what happens to see what happens with the sport, man, because it's going in a great direction. I'm glad the UFC is getting more eyes on it. I'm glad more people are signing up from MMA. Um, my wife did Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with me a couple weeks ago before we went to Florida. Um, she's getting signed up to um, take classes. So um, I, I really encourage everybody to get into to, to mixed martial arts, man, and try something new in your life. Embrace being uncomfortable, man. It's something that really humbles you. You know what I'm saying? You go in there on no gi days. A gi is the white um, robe-looking outfit that you see a lot of mixed martial artists wear. Um, it's some days where you go into the gym, there's no gi day, so you, you train in your street clothes, right? So on no gi day, the, the, the biggest thing is you don't know what level anybody's on because they don't have their belts. The belt is what, how you distinguish people's level, right? If somebody walks in with a black belt, you know, okay, that's a black belt. He's, he's been doing this years. That's a green belt. He's been doing this such and such amount of time. That's a yellow belt. That's a red belt. That's a brown belt. That's a blue belt. You know what I'm saying? That's a white belt. He's new. You know what I'm saying? So on no gi day, a black belt can walk in and bow down and come in and start doing his workouts, and you just think he's another guy. But when you start rolling with him or doing whatever you're doing, you, you see this guy's way ahead of me. You know what I'm saying? But you still can't say, well, he's a black belt. All you know is he's ahead of you. You know what I'm saying? So... I think it's extremely humbling experience doing MMA and learning different um, mixed martial arts. So I encourage people to do it, man. But um, yeah, man, great episode today. Um, today is um, today's episode. I, I'm 
I'm really focused on growing my podcast, man, getting used to talking about myself again. Y'all know I got the three podcasts with my boys. Make sure y'all check out the episode, the latest episode of that as well. Right after y'all get done listening to this, man, head over to the three podcasts and check us out. But um, I got to get you back used to, to, to bouncing ideas off of myself and, 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 and speaking about subjects alone and stuff like that. But, of course, I will have guests in here and um, have people that I can, you know, go back and forth with sometimes and have spirited debates and conversations about sports. But I appreciate y'all for um, sticking with me so far. Um, episode two in the books, baby. Um, I thank all those who take a listen to this, man. Make sure you spread the word about it and um, get us out there, man. We got more topics and sports to get into as this show continues to grow. Right now, I'm just perfecting the time, you know what I'm saying, getting a show, a run of, a, run of the show together, um, editing my show solo and all that stuff. I want to transition from doing my um, recordings at my job and just use my actual podcast equipment at home. But um, everything in due time, man. Um, I really expect big things from this podcast because um, this podcast is going to help me with consistency, help me with getting my name out there with certain things. You know what I'm saying? So um, I appreciate all those who listen, man. Um, and also, if you're ever interested in a fish tank or if you have a fish tank, please feel free to hit me up. Um, TGS Aquariums, um, Tanks and Maintenance. I do all fish tank needs, whatever you can think of. I can take care of it. If you need your tank moved, relocated, whether it's in, in your home or to a different home, then you just need a regular cleaning, water testing, um, Anything like that, installing a new tank, no matter what size, I can take care of those needs for you. Just um, message me on Instagram or Facebook, or you can email me at um, thegraystandardtgs at gmail.com and um, just email me an inquiry or whatever you want to get a quote for, for a service or whatever you need, email me and I'll get right back to you as soon as possible because I'm always near my phone so and I'm always expecting business and money on the line so I appreciate y'all for listening to the new episode of something about sports with Deacon Slam man I hope that you guys stay along for the ride in the future as we get bigger and better as time goes on and um, I appreciate all those who have listened so far you guys enjoy the rest of your day please feel free to comment on my Instagram um, join in on my lives um, so we can have some conversations uh, between me and my listeners. And um, let me know what you guys think about predictions for the rest of the NBA final series, Bucks, Suns. Um, drop some predictions and let me know in the comments what you think is going to happen and who you pick to win the series. So without further ado, y'all be easy.